Welcome to today's episode on Life in Front Office Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and here with Rajiv Khanna of Sponsor United. Super excited to talk to Rajiv about what he's got going on with uh, their entity and you know, Sponsor United, a couple years old, but Rajiv came from Nielsen Sports where um, you know, he's working on the data side of, of sponsorships and, and TV and all that. And I'll let him get into that, uh, the data side a little bit, but Rajiv really just, you know, the area in which we're about to talk about, we haven't had on the podcast yet. And so uh, for our listeners, you know, there's a whole area of the business that is truly driving, you know, evaluations and, um, you know, decision-making uh, behind a lot of spends in, in the area of sponsorships and, and, you know, everything else that goes on. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, you thinking of me, and it's it's always good to talk data. Absolutely. So data isn't always everything, right? We we got to put that you know this <laughs> out, right? But in in the world of big data and um, you know sports, how did you get to you know kind of where you are, and how did you get involved in the data side of the business? Yeah, so it's funny because you know everyone's kind of got their own journey. Um, I studied economics at Syracuse University. I thought I wanted to go into finance and I found myself uh, in New York City when I graduated. And funny enough, I had two offers that were placed in front of me, one with the Nielsen Company, which I actually started my career there. And the other one was with Lehman Brothers and I decided to go the data route. So I'm kind of a data guy by trade, but what's funny is when I joined the Nielsen Company, I was more on the traditional market research side. So working with big CPG brands like Colgate Palmolive and, uh, I didn't even really touch a TV rating, TV rating, which is kind of interesting because you, you think of Nielsen as this big ratings company, but they have this whole other side of the business, which uh, I don't think a, a ton of people really are aware of, at least in the sports industry. Um, so it was kind of interesting. Uh, I moved over to the media side of the business. Uh, I spent a year at Viacom, jumped over to a small digital publisher, landed at Yahoo Sports. Um, so that's kind of where I got my sports foundation, where I was doing more sales strategy and monetization on that front. Yeah, and, and obviously there's been so many um, called new entrants into the into this space, right? Including sure. uh, where you're at now with Sponsor United and you know Yahoo. You, you know, it's like the the list is endless at this point now, right? You've got Gum Gum and Yahoo and and you know Google and Amazon and and all these players, but. Uh, when it comes down to what you guys are doing and how you've built it and, and what Bob's vision has been for the company, it's pretty unique. And um, the way in which you collect the data and the research and, and why don't you dive a little bit into that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, actually the, the way that I, I came to find sponsor United. So I, I left uh, Yahoo sports and I joined this company called Repucom, uh, which I think uh, most people are familiar with. And the week before I started, it got bought by Nielsen sports for, a significant amount of money. So I ended up coming full circle back to Nielsen. Um, and it, they rebranded as Nielsen Sports. And you're right, you know, the valuation space was huge. I think a lot of brands were looking for some sort of ROI piece of measurement. Uh, and, and that company was all about logo recognitions, among other things. Um, so in that, uh, throughout the years at Nielsen, I ended up uh, overseeing the professional sports team business. Um, and one of the things I found a lot of value in was actually hopping on airplanes and, and getting in front of all of my team clients just to kind of get to know them a bit more intimately. 
And through all those travels in, in the last couple of years, I asked almost every single team client, you know, what are you using to prospect? Because Nielsen didn't really have anything um, that professional sports teams were using a, on a daily basis that was really focused on prospecting and sponsorship intelligence um, with contact information. And um, we came across kind of some of the well-known uh, vendors in, in the industry. And then in 2019, I heavied up travel because my wife was pregnant with our second. And all of a sudden the script changed. It was Sponsor United this, Sponsor United that to the point where after about 45 to 50 of my clients uh, really glowing about this company called Sponsor United, uh, I reached out to this gentleman named Bob Lynch, um, who's the founder and, and CEO of Sponsor United. We hopped on a call the next morning. He was quick to respond and uh, come to find out he lives three minutes from my house here in Stanford. So you can't really make that up. <laughs> um, great conversation. I learned a bit more about the business, how he was sourcing data, but um, he was like, you know, let's go grab a coffee on Friday um, at Starbucks right by our house. And the Starbucks is literally like 45 seconds away from my house. And uh, 30 minutes turns into three hours and I see this platform and I've never seen anything like it. So that's kind of how I, I, uh, I got acquainted with Sponsor United and quickly came over um, once we were able to kind of sort out some details to uh, head up partnerships here. Uh, what's really unique about Sponsor United is I think, you know, technology is the way the sports world is kind of mo moving and gravitating to. But the collection of data, um, the logo recognition is something that a lot of companies are using and it's a really good automated way of getting good data quickly. Um, but the way we were actually tagging data is, is very uh, interesting. The second way is we massively crowdsource. Uh, we have a sister company called Sponsor University. And it's essentially a program uh, of what we call scouts. We've had close to 3000 to date since uh, we launched our platform went live in March 2018, but we've been around since 2016. And essentially, it's a program where uh, about a six to 12-week uh, program uh, where folks who are interested in the sports and entertainment industry and specifically want to learn more about sponsorship in, in media, uh, they apply, they get accepted. It's, it's very much like a, kind of an undergrad sports management program. Um, they're tested about every single element in sponsorship and media specific to sports and entertainment down to, you know, what's the difference between a banner ad versus a video pre-roll, um, kind of how to tag specific assets uh, in all different sports and entertainment venues. And once they graduate that program, they're actually physically deployed to venues. So we've built mobile technology on their smartphones and they're going around the grounds of all these events. And it's not just sports stadiums, but golf, tennis, music festivals, and they're capturing images on, on the smartphones using the technology we've built. But what was kind of key and eye-opening for me was it's, it, it's not just that um, traditional TV visible, those TV visible assets that you're used to seeing and kind of getting values across. We're tracking concourse signage, gate entitlements, suite entitlements, uh, on-site event activations, which, you know, if you event any, if you, um, attend any event, you're seeing a lot of those big sponsors. But, you know, when you go to get a, a soda or a snack in the concession area, there's a lot of those on-site activations that a lot of viewers on TV and on social media aren't seeing. So we're actually capturing all that. And what it's kind of built is this almost best practice database, um, which has hundreds of thousands of 
uh, different data points, but we actually track, I think about 110,000 brands from local to regional and national global. So it's, it's really a great way of kind of getting a consolidated view uh, of everything that's happening in the sports and entertainment industry. Yeah. And when you think about the, the aspect of prospecting, right, it's, you want to have the data that you're looking for at the finger at your fingertips. Right. And so right. you just mentioned the, the complexity of, of assets and different uh, brands that are spending in sports, but then the next piece is, okay, well, how do you go find that person's contact, reach out to them and, you then have the, the research and the insights to kind of back your conversation up, right? Or, or maybe figure out uh, a way in which you can kind of cater your, your proposal or your pitch, right? Based on what they currently do from a best practice standpoint. How do you guys integrate the, the contact aspect and, and some recommendations and whatnot? Yeah, so that's spot on. So um, one of the, I guess the, um, I guess we could call it a gap in the industry was, you know, there's a lot of tools out there that have really great contact information, names, phone numbers, and emails. Um, but what I think we've done is we're pulling in that contact information, but we're putting and surrounding it with context, right? So um, all the brand profiles we have in our platform, uh, we've kind of thought of and, and surveyed a lot of our users and clients. And we started in the professional sports space because I think that's where a lot of our kind of experience lay, uh, laid uh, historically. Um, on, you know, what are you looking for really when you're prospecting, right? Names, phone numbers, and emails. We know that that's important, but news on sponsorship deals of brand X, just so you kind of have that historical context, um, publicly traded information, financials, just to make sure they have the means to invest in a sponsorship. But where we actually kind of, uh, created this mapping system was once you have your contact information, you can then scroll down a bit more and you can see where brand X is partnering from a sponsorship standpoint, from a media standpoint. So we're tracking traditional media, TV and radio spots, uh, digital and social media. We're actually tracking vendor relationships. So if you think about soda brands, beer brands, we're tracking those pouring rights because of our kind of scouting efforts from sponsor university uh, down to um, hospitality and sweet assets, which thinking about um, kind of golf and tennis events, you know, those are really interesting and relevant assets that folks are looking for more information around what brands are buying those. So you kind of get that um, deeper dive into what the brand you're prospecting is actually um, do currently doing. So what's their current portfolio and footprint? And then we take it a layer deeper. And this is where the kind of detailed tagging comes in we'll actually show you what assets Brand X is buying from all these properties. So if you're looking at looking for a courtside rotational partner in the NBA or any basketball uh, across any basketball property down to an Instagram spark sponsored post down to uh, a Jersey kit sponsorship, those are all kind of mapped back. So from a, a prospecting standpoint, I think all properties that are using our platform they have specific inventory they can sell against, right? Some of them control their media rights, some of them don't. But now you kind of have this almost giant cheat sheet of, okay, these are the assets that Brand X is already buying that we have in our inventory. So we know that we should probably include those in our, um, in our discussion when, when we get a chance to speak to this brand. But you can also kind of scour through and see, all right, what is Brand X not getting from anyone else that's unique to our property? So it kind of gives you this kind of competitive advantage um, 
And uh, then there's creative images. So you kind of have this best practice bank of imagery. So I think the, the short of it is we want it to really be a one-stop shop where you can get and gather all this intelligence all in one place consolidated, but try to make it as snackable as possible. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the sponsor aspect of, you know, are they, you know, is there creative branding a certain message, right? Are they trying to uh, emphasize their community initiatives or are they actually trying to you know sell product or what kind of promotion are they running stuff like that that you'll be able to understand and, and notice as opposed to looking for articles on you know articles on articles about stuff right like that. and you know and then also understanding you know, how you can best position yourself to the brand because usually you only have one shot with that person right, right. They're hit, you know that brand person's getting hit up all the time by people of, hey, can you sponsor this? You know, can we have this fact-finding discussion, et cetera? And then you're able to almost better cater your questions in that fact-finding world because you already know some of the answers to some extent. And right. those questions that you ask might even uh, give you a different answer that you weren't looking for, but because you knew something in, from, a, from a research standpoint, uh, kind of allows you to, to dive into a different area. What's maybe like the one or two things that you've learned the most across your clients in terms of how they're not only utilizing the platform, but what you've learned about the sponsorship space that maybe you didn't know coming into this? Yeah, so there's, it's a great question. There's a few things. I think um, because we, we have uh, traditional rights holders, um, we have agencies, and we also are, are starting to talk to brands and we're working with some of the bigger brands and actually some smaller brands too. So we kind of have that uh, full view of what everyone's looking for. And what's great about this platform is we're almost like an independent third-party accounting firm. And I love my job because every day is completely different. And I'm meeting new people and talking to new people and understanding different use cases and business objectives. So um, the, the eye-openers that I've kind of gone through is um, I always knew just working with professional sports teams at Nielsen that, you know, if you're in a big market, 75, 80% of your 100 plus partners, corporate partners are likely going to come from national brands, right? And 25% local. Whereas if you're in a, a very hyper local kind of mid market, it's going to be flipped. Um, so actually seeing the different categories that really skew regionally and, and how we have that level of granularity, that's always interesting. But uh, one thing that was interesting that I've been learning recently is, you know, a lot of these mid markets, they actually still have 75% of all their partners uh, as national, which I thought was interesting. So um, also just kind of seeing all these challenger brands popping up left and right. Um, we built technology. So we're pulling in uh, brand profiles on the fly and building them and seeing all these entrants into the marketplace. I mean, with what's going on in the world, um, we were able to see obviously which categories took a huge hit, but which ones were thriving like on-demand technology, your Uber Eats, your Seamless, um, uh, your Caviar's out there. And it's been really interesting to see what type of activations they're using to kind of uh, grab the attention of sports fans. Um, and then from the brand side of things, you kind of hit it on the head, right? Brands are looking, brands have a very specific agenda and they're entering into sponsorship, sponsorship not necessarily for a big kind of massive eyeball play, right? Because if they're going to do that, they can, they can buy some media around that. But they're entering into partnerships because 
they're trying to tap into a property's intellectual property and kind of audience, right? So if you think about why an airline brand is partnering with a professional sports team per se, um, they want their fans to be loyal to their airline and be part of their membership program and, 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 and try to grow subscriptions, right? Whereas some insurance brands, you know, they're entering into sponsorship and they actually might, um, they might care more about hospitality and they want they might want corporate suites where they can entertain other c-level folks of bigger brands to get them to switch to their insurance as their provider so it's really interesting to kind of see the different use cases and what assets are actually skewing towards certain categories and industries and you mentioned music festivals mm -hmm. earlier right it, it it encapsulates not only sports but we are in the sports and entertainment industry right, our right. co-host pat gallagher likes to talk about the industry as the fun business. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of anything you can do to have fun. And, and um, when you, when you think about the differences between a concert, a music festival, um, shoot, even a, a you know, a, a fair in a sense, right. Mm -hmm. um, or, or your, your flea flea markets, right. Like there's a lot of different ways in which sponsor has the, the opportunity and the choice to spend their money. Right. Um, but how are they right. doing it in, in each area? And ultimately, each one has a different audience as well. So I know you spent some time in the audience world and the market data research. And, you know, right. how, how does that all foil into, you know, that, that fan profile versus the, the research of, you know, the brand and uh, what they, you know, what their objectives are and that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you're right. A brand has a lot of um, ability to select a multitude of partners, right? Some brands are loyal to one or two properties and they really want to double down and really tap into that rich audience. But brands that are participating in music festivals or uh, are trying to reach a younger consumer, it's a great way to do that and um, get a really targeted group of people that or that like to come together and kind of spend time in a different way, listening to music rather than consuming sports, uh, where the, it might be a bit more social. Whereas with, with sports, you're, uh, yeah, you're going to a ball game, talking to your friends and family and whatnot. But with music festivals, there's kind of waiting around time as well. So, uh, and and different types of opportunities, right? It's all on site and experiential. So what we're seeing is that a lot of brands are skewing towards experiential. Now, what's happened with uh, COVID and the viruses, a lot of those brands have kind of stopped spending. Um, and a lot of them are actually shifting into newer digital assets because they still want to stay engaged with their consumers and uh, reach their consumers and not lose that kind of market share. So one of the things that we, we've kind of doubled down on and, and that we're kind of learning as time goes by, but quickly is all of these different types of new digital assets where brands are being asked to reallocate or um, properties are coming up with really cool new innovative ideas like within the, the motorsports and NASCAR space and iRacing, all these kind of virtual ads are popping up and sponsorships now uh, within professional sports. I mean, it was happening a little bit in NHA, NHL with virtual dashboards, but um, now there's kind of a, a plethora and a brand new introduction of all these different digital assets that um, brands still want that market share and that and to stay top of mind with consumers. So uh, it, it's been very interesting to kind of see um, how these different brands are targeting these different consumers that they're, they're going after. Yeah, and you mentioned obviously in the current climate, uh, getting a brand's money is gonna be harder than ever, right? Going right. And there's gonna be 
you know, tighter budgets, um, smaller spending uh, in le less events in theory, uh, to right. some extent, uh, right. depending on, depending on the area that you're in. And when you think about the strategy from a prospecting tool perspective, is it now a more and mass prospecting or a more dialed in targeted, more research, more in depth research? What are you seeing from some of the partners in that sense? Everything is way more strategic. Um, there, there's got to be some storytelling when you're trying to sell a sponsorship, right? You have to tell your story, but you also have to understand uh, what brand X or category Y really likes to invest in. Historically has a propensity to invest in these types of assets, right? Are they still buying traditional media, TV, radio, or are they buying a lot of experiential if they are? What makes sense? Why are they buying that? We're allowing our customers to actually see those creative images within the platform, which is good. Um, but really that kind of storytelling is key. And that's what we're seeing that um, really the, a lot of the recent sponsorships and the more innovative sponsorships you're seeing, it's a two-way partnership. A sponsorship really has to make sense for both the brand and the rights holder. The days of that kind of transactional deal, they're kind of few and far between. Um, and starting to fade away. Uh, so there's a lot of information that um, you can kind of glean from data sources like us and, and other vendors out there, which uh, the more you kind of put in, the more category intelligence you get, the more creatives that you sift through and, and kind of look through what are best practices, what are worst practices. And you're right, if I get that one at bat with brand X, I want to get on base or hit a home run. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do my due diligence, my research and see what do they like to buy? What have they bought in the past? Great. Now, how do I differentiate? How do I layer some of this information that I'm getting from Sponsor United or other data sources to make sure that I'm telling the best story that's going to appeal to them based off of what they've done in the past? It's hard to be a one-stop shop in terms of every single possible thing you need, right? From a data right. point, research, et cetera. But everyone's obviously trying to improve. You're trying to, you know, uh, innovate and certain areas and cater to clients and however you need to, um, you know, I got two questions. One, sure. you know, how are you as a company uh, adapting to, you know, COVID-19 and, and continuing to work with partners and, and come up with different ways in which, you know, maybe they need more of that digital social type of uh, data. And then um, I want to, want to talk about uh, something that I knew prior kind of in our, our conversations, but, your people that are there, uh, you know, in, in the chat function and, and kind of on hand to help you um, in whichever way you need, that's a really unique differentiator with you guys and, and kind of how you operate as a business. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. So um, your first question, uh, we, so one thing that really enticed me to come on board um, coming from kind of the mecca of data with Nielsen is there's this report we have, which is called our asset analysis. And it's kind of a different way of seeing the sponsorship landscape where you can actually select different assets and back into what brands are already investing in those for, again, ideas. It's, it's really a, as much a discovery tool as, a, as it is a prospecting tool, which is why a lot of brands are finding value. But with a lot of these new digital and virtual signage ads, and we're even starting to do a lot in the podcast space and seeing how brands are activating, you can actually come in and, and use this as a discovery to us as to, uh, 
okay, I know I need to reallocate. I know I only have a limited amount of digital and social media inventory, and I don't want to just oversaturate all of my fans to drive them away. What are smart ways that I can activate with certain brands and categories uh, that make sense and contextually align? So that's a really key report that a lot of our clients are finding a ton of value in because A, it kind of cuts right to the chase and shows which categories all, are already investing in those types of assets. Um, and community and, and cause-related assets are actually in that, uh, which is something that was huge when COVID first started um, uh, to kind of materialize, where every single, at least pro team uh, that I spoke to, their focus was less on, you know, what are we going to do with all of our brand partners? And I think every, everyone generally, their, their brand partners have been really great about this uh, whole situation. But the number one focus that at least pro teams had was I need to give back to the community. If you think about sports and, and entertainment in general, it's kind of a, a release um, from everyday life and the stresses of everyday life. And uh, that was taken away and there was a lot of stress and kind of anxiety in the world. So a lot of uh, properties focused on giving back to uh, their consumers, their fans, whether it was, um, I, I think I saw uh, the Houston Rockets did something where it was like virtual coloring books because a lot of kids were at home and their parents were trying to get some work done. I was one of them. It was a struggle, but um, you know, supporting local bars and restaurants that were severely affected and continue to be severely affected, the hospitality industry that have stuck by a lot of these properties throughout the years. Um, so this kind of reporting is, is a different way of kind of getting a sneak peek into what's out there, what's new and innovative. Um, and then to your second point, um, what, what Jake is kind of describing is we've actually got this live on-demand research team. They're online from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. And it's a little chat function on the bottom right of our platform. And we kind of wanted to do something that hasn't really been done before where um, we give our clients unlimited um, access to this group. And they're kind of like our SEAL Team 6. They're super buttoned up. Uh, one of the most beloved parts of the platform. But uh, it's basically an on-demand research team that's going to help guide folks through um, navigating through the platform, finding names, phone numbers, and emails. We're building brand profiles on the fly. I'll give you an example. Um, one of our, our clients recently was looking for uh, a brand called Lemonade Insurance. This is about a month and a half ago. And uh, we actually didn't have it in the tool because um, they, didn't, they hadn't done a uh, partnership or uh, a media buy. Um, and of course, a couple of weeks later, they IPO'd, but we were able to build that brand profile on the fly while on a demo with that client. And it was refreshed in 30 minutes. So the, what this team is really doing is they're, they're meant to kind of be there to support all of our current clients to make everyone's lives easier, um, and kind of help fulfill that one-stop shop. So if there's anything you're curious about, uh, we've had a couple of our clients ask, um, down to the granularity of, what brands are most charitable around COVID-19 or, Hey, can you tell us what brands have sponsored the kiss cam in the last six months? And we have all of that intelligence in the back end of our platform where we can pull it, uh, all the communications done in the platform and the chat function. So, um, there's kind of no reason to really kind of toggle outside the platform. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've, you know, as you hear, 
you talk about that aspect and, and uh, trying to separate yourselves, right, is not easy within this space and not easy within sports in general. And, and when you think about where you guys are heading and kind of the, the things that you're going to continue to build upon, um, what's maybe one thing without giving out any secrets that, you know, you're kind of working towards uh, that you're excited about uh, sure. that you think is going to, uh, you know, continue to help your partners down the road? Yeah, so something that comes up on 99% of all of our um, discussions with clients are um, when are you going to have deal sizes? <laughs> and I think, as, as you know, just being in the industry, it's, it's really tricky, right? There, there's some tools out there that do valuation and that have directional spend levels that are more media focused, um, which is all good and, and helpful. But really, the only way to collect that data is um, what did brand X spend with property? Y? what did property Y charge brand X? Um, and it's a little bit more complicated because I mean, you, you see a lot of these figures getting tossed out for big kit sponsorships, NBA Jersey patches in the tens of millions of dollars or, or whatnot, but that's a huge package, right? The, the Jersey patch or the kit sponsorship, that's one element, but there's likely media digital content in there. So that's something that we're working really hard on. Um, to kind of source and almost have uh, some sort of estimate that's tighter and kind of contextual, but in the vicinity. So people kind of have an understanding of what assets or packages or actually categories um, kind of go for in different sports and entertainment uh, industries. Almost like a, a tiered spend. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, we kind of uh, we kind of want to have um, somewhat of a range, but a tight enough range. And you know, I'm I'm a data guy. Um, the biggest thing that I I want to make sure is that it, our data is very clean. Right now, our data is collected all first party, so it's very very clean. Uh, but we have a good enough sample so that the data is really usable. So we're being a little smart about um, and patient about kind of collecting that data and how we're going to display it. You can only, uh, you, you know, there's, there's, there's data that's good. That's, and there's data that's bad. And, right. and, you know, something that I've learned at least is not every single piece of data is good. Right. So you, you got to make sure that you're really, um, focusing on the clean data and, and you know, ultimately having kind of a control of, of what that looks like and, and the user end. Right. Um, yeah. one, one last thing as we start to wrap up the episode, uh, you may or may not know this, but I'm going to put you on the spot anyways. How sure. did the name Sponsor United come about? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I don't think I necessarily um, know the, the full history, but um, we we're trying to bring rights holders and brands together. And the kind of end vision is, you know, we want to create a kind of a, almost a marketplace where folks can come and that's the end vision. But we we want to make sure that we're also seen as educators in the space where, you know, we wanted to democratize the sponsorship landscape and kind of um, give everyone a peek behind the curtain where uh, this data has kind of never been seen and, and displayed in, in this way uh, in the past. So it kind of evens the playing field for both brands and rights holders where everyone can kind of see what everyone else is doing. Um, and one analogy that we currently use is, almost like an independent third party accounting firm where we're just collecting deals, right? We're not basing it on, on deal size and spends. Uh, we're just tracking deals and organizing the data to show 
what do certain brands and categories like to invest in in, in different spaces? So really bringing everyone together um, and kind of serving everyone. I think that's the genesis of the name. No, I love it. Um, if you if you knew the full history, I was going to be really impressed, but might have, <laughs> to have, might have to have Bob on in a future episode to, to, to talk about kind of the, the founding aspect and, and yeah. kind of the real first start. Um, last thing as we as we close out, you know, operating at, you know, at a smaller startup, um, you know, obviously you guys are continuing to grow, but a smaller startup versus, you know, big Nielsen, right? And, and the differences between working in a big culture, um, small culture, just as a whole in the sports industry from a data perspective, what's one thing that you've really learned uh, from an advice and insights perspective on just kind of working in that space uh, within the industry for, for those that are listening? Yeah, so um, I think things tend to move much, much quicker in a smaller environment. Um, you kind of have to make strategic and smart decisions on the fly. Um, and you're able to actually be a bit more versatile at a, at a smaller company. Um, there's less kind of um, management to, and layers to kind of go through, uh, which is good and bad, right? I think it's good because we're challenged with making difficult decisions on a daily basis, but we're, we're learning and, you know, sometimes we're not going to make the right decision and we're going to learn from that really quickly and uh, continue to optimize. Um, and I think there's something to be said at, at working at a, a big company like a Nielsen or uh, a Google, Amazon, Facebook, in that um, there's a ton of security and you really can, th there's a lot of different folks you can kind of talk to and, and kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, so I guess there's pros and cons to both, but uh, one thing that I kind of have learned and that has stuck out is, you know, we, we have always been a virtual company. Um, so even pre-COVID, we've been on Slack, Zoom calls. Um, that's kind of how we operate the business. And, you know, I was, I was very used to a lot of face-to-face -face meetings. But um, one thing that struck me is how efficient you can be with your time and how you're still getting that human interaction and element from a conversation like this where I'm looking at you through a computer screen, but I feel like I'm in the same room. And um, you kind of still have that camaraderie from who you're talking to, whether it's a current client, a prospect, or just a friend in the industry. So that's kind of the, one of the biggest takeaways that, that I found the efficiency. Efficiency is huge. I think everyone's kind of figuring that out as, as they go, but um, you'll certainly, maybe, maybe you'll have some efficiency best practices to throw in the, that, that tool uh, as yep. well. <laughs> but Rajiv, really appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast and certainly uh, look, look forward to, you know, what you guys can do over the next uh, couple of years and, and continuing on and uh, excited to follow. Appreciate you having me on, Jake. Thank you so much.